as you heard, the title of my message is The Long Road Home. Sometimes I wonder why God leads me to teach messages like I'm gonna teach today. Last time I was with you guys, we uh, went through a, a difficult but, but also a very encouraging message about um, the pandemic of anxiety. You know, I've, I've been through a lot in my life. I had a very difficult upbringing. I've been through a lot of trials in my life. I'm, in a, I'm going through a trial right now. Um, and God always leads me to these, these, uh, these, these difficult passages, and, and I love how God works through them, even in my own heart, and I really believe that he has a really, really uh, important message for a lot of you today. So here's the big idea for the message today. The big idea is that the long road <clears throat> is the best road, even when the road seems impossible. The long road is the best road, even when the road seems impossible. So today, today we're gonna be unpacking this idea um, as we go through the book of Exodus. And I gotta tell you guys, the, uh, the Exodus out of Egypt <clears throat> and the crossing of the Red Sea, in my opinion, are two of the most profound and impressive acts of God in all of history. In Exodus 12, as many of you know, um, after 430 years of bondage, God raised up Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. And I can't help but remember those famous words, let my people go. You guys remember that? Over and over again, Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh uh, wouldn't do it. God sent 10 plagues, uh, the 10th plague being the most devastating of all as the angel of death came through um, the region, killing all the firstborn of every house except for uh, the people who had the blood of the lamb smeared on their doorposts. And it was in that moment that Pharaoh finally said, okay, I've had enough, I'm gonna let the people go. You guys remember this, right? And then in Exodus 13, um, as they were going, right, as the people of Israel were um, departing from Egypt, God gave Moses some very interesting instructions for how to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And um, if you look in your Bibles at uh, chapter 13 of Exodus, verse, uh, verses 17 through uh, 18, um, this is what God said. <clears throat> it says, when, the, when Pharaoh let the people, of, uh, uh, let the people go, um, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Very interesting. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. So what we learn here um, in, in, in chapter 13 of Exodus, verses 17 and 18, is that God did not lead them um, by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, and what's interesting about that is that the way of the Philistines would have been a three-day journey um, to their destination. It would have been a three-day journey to the promised land that God had called them to, and yet God didn't lead them that way, and you have to wonder why. Why would God lead them on the long way? Why not take this three-day shortcut? Well, how many of you know that God knows what's best for his people. And how many of you know that God's ways are higher than man's ways and his ways are always better? Come on now, church, how many of you actually believe that? 
Is it really just 10 of you? Or how many of you believe that God's ways are higher than man's ways and that his ways are always better? It's so important that you get this as we get into this message today. You see, God knew that the way of the Philistines would have been a bloody, war-torn way and that the Philistines would have been way too much for the people of Israel. God knew that the people of Israel had been enslaved for 430 years. They weren't ready for war. They didn't even have an army. And so God, this is what he does. He takes them on the long way. Why? Here's why I believe why. Because he was protecting them. He was protecting them. He was protecting them from circumstances and from dangers that they could not see. And not only that, but I believe God was preparing them for the place and for the purpose that he had for them. You see, God had miraculously delivered the people out of bondage. He miraculously delivered them out of slavery, out of an old way of living. But how many of you, how many of you know that old habits are hard to break? You see, God delivered them out of that lifestyle, but I believe he took them on the long way because he had to get that old lifestyle out of them. God needed to do some work in their hearts. God, had, God needed to do some surgery on their souls. God had to break some old habits, some, some old behaviors, some old ways of thinking, and so he took them on the long way. Now, I know most of you are here today and uh, you would call yourself followers of Christ. You've been uh, saved from your sin. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. You've been delivered from a lifestyle of bondage and sin. But I bet if you're being honest today, you would admit that you haven't arrived. I bet if you're being honest today, you would admit that you're not quite the follower of Christ that you want to be. And here's why. That old lifestyle that you were delivered from hadn't quite come out of you yet. And so much like the people of Israel, God's got you on the long road. He's delivered you from that old lifestyle. He's delivered you from bondage and from sin, but he's got you on the long road because he needs to get that out of you. But we don't like the long road, do we? We like shortcuts, don't we? Oh boy, do we prefer the short uh, fast track, I should say. We prefer the fast track. The other day I was at Chick-fil-A and uh, actually, I'm at Chick-fil-A almost every day, if I could just be honest, but <laughs> the other day, I was at Chick-fil-A, and, and here's what I love about Chick-fil-A. Well, I love a lot of things about Chick-fil-A, but one of the things I love about Chick-fil-A is that I can just go up to the counter and I can order a number one with a sweet tea. That's all I have to say. That's such a great shortcut, isn't it? I don't have to go up to the counter and say, hey, you know what, I'd like a chicken sandwich, but can you make sure you bread it and, 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 when you, and fry it in peanut oil? I really want you to do it in peanut oil. And then if you could, um, put it on a buttered bun. I really like a buttered bun and then add a couple of pickles and then the fries. I don't want like McDonald's fries, I want like waffle fries, so if you could cut them that way and then fry those in peanut oil too, right? We don't have to go through all the details with Chick-fil-A, we can just take the shortcut of ordering a number one with sweet tea. We love our shortcuts, don't we? Right, control C, control V, right? I can copy and paste, voila, thank you Apple for that shortcut. Right, we live in a world of shortcuts and wouldn't it be nice if we could just shortcut our way to spiritual maturity in Christ? And wouldn't it be nice if God would just fast track us to our calling and to our purpose here on earth? But that's not how it is, is it? God's got us on the long road. And why? Why the long road? Why all the hard lessons in life? Why all the trials? Why all the tribulations? 
right? Why all the suffering? You know, some would say, that feels like punishment, yeah? But here's what you need to know this morning, Christian. The long road is not punishment, it's protection. In the same way that God put the people of Israel on the long road to protect them, he's protecting you. And I just wonder this morning what God has protected you from. What relationships he's protected you from. What, what mistakes, what temptations, what career moves, what battles, right? God's got you on the long road because he loves you and because he's protecting you. And not only that, I believe he's preparing you. I know sometimes the long road um, is, is like, where's God in this, right? God, where are you? You're on the long road. It feels like the journey's hard, right? And you go, where's God? But what I want you to know this morning is that it's not punishment, it's preparation. That in the same way that God was preparing Israel for their calling and for their purpose, God is preparing you. And I want you to know this morning that he's for you. Not only that, but he's not against you. I want you to know this morning that God has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I want you to know this morning that God's given you a calling and a purpose, but you need to understand that it's on the long road that he's gotta work some things out of you to protect you and to prepare you for that place of your calling. You guys, we need to embrace the long road. I know you wanna take a shortcut. I know you wanna fast track to whatever destination God has for you, but we need to embrace the long road. Because it's on the long road that God builds our character. It's on the long road where we learn through trials to trust God and his promises. It's on the long road where our strength or our faith is strengthened. And you know what? The last thing that we need is for this fast track mentality to take us to a place where our character can't sustain us. Now that's not my quote, it's somebody else's quote. I can't figure out whose quote, I've heard a lot of people say it, but I wanna say it again. The last thing that we need on our journey as followers of Jesus Christ, as people with purpose, as people with calling, as people with uh, a, a destiny, right? The last thing we need is for this fast track, shortcut mentality to take us to a place that our character cannot sustain us. God's doing a work in you. He's developing you, he's protecting you, he's preparing you for what he has for you. Does that make sense? Amen. And so God led the nation of Israel on the long road and he was leading them to their calling and to their purpose that he had for them. Why? Because he was protecting them from things that they couldn't see and he was preparing them for their destiny. That's what we learned from Exodus 12 through 13 and what we're about to see in Exodus chapter 14 is that on the long road home, sometimes God positions his people for miraculous encounters with him. And so here's where we're at in the story. The nation of Israel has departed Egypt, right? They've been delivered from Egypt. God's got them on the long road. And then in chapter 14, uh, the Lord says this to Moses in verse one. He says, uh, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea for Pharaoh will save the people of Israel. They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Verse four, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord and they did so. And so, 
Again, the people have been delivered out of Egypt. God tells them, God tells Moses, I want you to take them to the Red Sea. I want you to take them to the Red Sea. This sort of impassable, massive sea. Some would call it a dead end. Years ago, my family and I lived um, on a cul-de-sac. You guys know what a cul-de-sac is, right? A cul-de-sac is a drive uh, with one way out, and that's the way that you came in, right? God led the nation of Israel to a cul-de-sac of sorts. He, he, he led them to um, a dead end, some might say. There was only one way out, and that was the way that they came in. The problem was God hardened Pharaoh's heart towards them, and Pharaoh and his army were hot on the trail. And I don't know about you, but that's what I call an impossible situation. An impossible situation. And what we learn here in chapter 14 is that God led them into that impossible situation. Now, why would God do this? If God loves these people and he has purpose and calling for their life, and he's for them and he's not against, why would God do this? Why would God not just lead them on the long way, but to this impassable sea with Pharaoh's army closing in on them? Well, what you need to understand this morning is that it was on purpose and it had great purpose. God was positioning the people of Israel for a miraculous encounter with him. Now, I believe that everyone in this room and watching online at one point or another has a Red Sea moment just like this. We all find ourselves in situations that seem impossible. We all find ourselves having problems that seem to have no solution, right? We get in these dilemmas where uh, we, we have no hope. Some of you are here today and uh, the bills keep coming in, but the paychecks are not. Some of you are here today and you're at an impasse with your spouse. I know that others of you are here today and you have health issues and the outlook is not good. Some of you wanna have kids, but the doctors have said there's no way. And, and here's the thing, I, one of the most overlooked and I think underpreached aspects of God's word, especially here in Exodus 12 through 14, is that sometimes you have your seatbelt on? Sometimes this stuff is on purpose. I know this is a hard truth to comprehend, but the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that sometimes our Red Sea moments are exactly where God wants us. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Sometimes God leads us into impossible situations. Sometimes God leads us into impossible situations. And why, right? If he's for us, if he has plans to prosper us, not to harm us, then why would God sometimes lead us into impossible situations? Well, what I would submit to you this morning is that just like the Israelites, sometimes God wants to position us for a miraculous encounter with him. You see, sometimes it's part of God's plan of protection and preparation on the long road that he positions us in such a way that we have no other solution, no other way but to trust him and to have an encounter with him that's gonna build us into the person that he's called us to be. I want you to think of it this way. 
Rarely does anyone experience a miracle until they're in a position to receive one. Let me say it again. Rarely does anyone receive a miracle until they're in a position to receive one. Right, think of Noah in the ark. Think of David and Goliath. I think of uh, Daniel in the lion's den, the walls of Jericho falling down. Do you realize that the miracle did not come until God divinely positioned them for it? Now why would God do this? Why would God do this? As I said earlier, sometimes it's because we need to be in a position where we have no other solution, where we have no other option, where we have no other choice but to trust God in order for the miracle that we need to happen in our lives to position us for that calling and purpose that he has for us. Is this making sense? We, don't, we would never put ourselves in a place to need a miracle. Right, does, it, does, that, does that make sense? We would never put ourselves in the place to need a miracle. We would never put ourselves in any sort of impossible situation where we had no way out. No, we, we always try to find the shortcut. We always try to fast track our way to whatever the goal is that we want in our life. But this isn't the way of God all the time. Sometimes he positions us in an impossible situation. Why? So that we can have a miraculous encounter with him where we have no other option but to trust him. And I can promise you this. If God put you there, he's gonna get you out of there. That's his character. That's his promise for us. If he put you there, if he positions you there, he's gonna provide a way out of there. He's gonna provide a miracle to get you out of there. And he's gonna get glory and it's gonna be for your good. Listen, the nation of Israel was in an impossible situation and God put them there. The Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's army behind them. Right, and here's what I wanna do for the rest of our time. I want us to consider how the people of Israel and how Moses and even how God responded while the Israelites were in this impossible situation because I believe we have a lot to learn from them, all right? So if you have your Bibles, look with me in chapter 14. We're gonna be looking at verse eight. Here in verse eight, we see sort of the first response from the people of Israel in their impossible situation. The Bible says this in verse eight. It says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while they were going out defiantly. While they were going out defiantly. So Israel's first response in this impossible situation that they were in is that they, they were re, uh, rebelling against the people of Egypt, right? It says, uh, in here in the scriptures that they were uh, going out defiantly. I spent a little bit of time in David Guzik's commentary this past week, uh, learning and studying, and one of the interesting things I found is that that word defiantly um, is often translated boldly, but it actually means rebelliously. And so literally what's happening here um, in, in verse eight is it's telling us that Israel's response in this moment is that they are uh, fleeing rebelliously from the Egyptians, okay? Now that word rebellious or rebellion or rebel, uh, we often interpret that in a bad way, don't we? Like when our kids rebel against us as parents every single day, right? One way or another, they're always rebelling. It's not a good thing. When we think of the word rebel, we, we don't think of it in a good light, do we? But what I want you to see here is that in this sense, right, in, in the sense that the Israelites were 
rebelliously fleeing from uh, the Egyptians, um, it was a wonderful thing. And here's why, because they were rebelling against this former lifestyle. They were rebelling against this, this former master, right? But here's what's interesting. What's interesting to me is that in verse 11, their attitude changes really quickly. In verse 11, it says this, and, and keep in mind what's happening here. The children of Israel, we're rebelling against you, Egypt. We don't want that old lifestyle anymore. We're, you're not my master anymore. I'm on my way to my destiny, right? And then watch what happens in verse 11. In verse 11, they turn to Moses, okay, in this impossible situation that they're in, this frightening situation that they're in, and they say this to him. They say, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Ladies and gentlemen, what happens here in this moment is that the people of Israel go from rebelliously running from the lifestyle that they had under the Egyptians to considering that maybe rebellion against the calling of God on their life would be better for them. They were thinking, just for a moment here, maybe, just maybe, we, we should just throw our hands up and, and get off this long road that God has us on in this impossible situation that he's put us in and just go back to that old lifestyle that we were living. And I know it's easy for us to look at this story and the Israelites and go, wow, shame on them for acting like that. Man, God delivered them from, from slavery and he's got them on the road to their death. Man, how, I can't believe they would act like that. And can I just say, how often though is it that we face impossible situations and we too are tempted to give up and to give in to our old way of living? Somebody needs to confess something today. Somebody in the room today is in an impossible situation and you're tired and you're ready to give up and you're thinking, you know what? This whole, this whole following Jesus thing, it's too hard. Might as well just go back to the old way I was living. That's how the Israelites were feeling in this moment. And here's something that I think that we can learn from it. And that is that when we find ourselves in these impossible situations, an attitude of rebellion is okay, but our rebellion needs to be against the right things. Our rebellion needs to be against the right things, like old habits and old desires, like old ways of living, right? Like the devil and his schemes. Or how about this, our culture and its worldly systems. Ladies and gentlemen, when we find ourselves in impossible situations, when we find ourselves um, dealing with things that are just way too hard where we don't see a way out, the last thing that we need to do is rebel against God and the path that he has us on. The best thing that we can do is rebel against those things that I just mentioned. We need to have a rebellious attitude against that old lifestyle that we once lived. It's not worth going back to. It's not worth going back to. And so track with me here, okay? The people of Israel, they're in their, this impossible situation, right? They're trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. They're all up in their emotions, right? They don't know, they don't know who to rebel against, right? Like, one moment they're rebelling against the Egyptians, the next moment they're rebelling against God and the leader that he's appointed in their life to lead them, 
right? And then in verse 13, Moses, uh, as the great leader that he was, sort of boldly stands up in front of the people of Israel and he says this. He says, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he's gonna work out for you today. He says, the Egyptians who you see today, you're never gonna see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. I love the boldness of Moses here, but I can guarantee you this. Moses had no idea how God was going to do it, but he just knew that God was gonna do it. Right, imagine this scene. Impassable sea. Crazy, massive army behind you. No way to the left, no way to the right, no way over it, no way under it. Everyone is afraid. We don't, they have no idea how, how, how they're gonna get out of this, right? And Moses just stands up and says, don't be afraid, we're gonna get out of this, man. Just trust God, right? And here's what, here's what we know about Moses. He was a man of faith. Right, and he knew that God called him for a time like this. God called him to deliver the people out of the hand of the Egyptians, right? And so he knew that God was gonna do something, he just didn't know what, right? He's just like, somehow, some way, God's gonna do this. And so full of faith and with great boldness, he says, don't be afraid, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord today. This is really, a, grammatically, a, uh, if I could say, a continuous thought, this is actually one thought, um, that can be summed up in, in, into one thought, and that is that, here, this is what Moses was saying to them. He was saying, by faith you can trust the Lord, is really what he was saying here. By faith you can trust the Lord. But he starts off with this statement, don't be afraid, which is very interesting to me. What do you mean, don't be afraid? I've got an army behind me who's gonna slaughter me and I've gotta see that if I jump into it, I'm gonna drown. Like, what do you mean don't be afraid? And so, so here, here, here's what I think. I don't think that Moses was actually telling them not to feel the emotion of fear. Okay, this, this situation is absolutely terrifying. I don't care who you are, this is scary. I think what Moses was getting at in this moment was this. Don't let fear overtake your faith. He's not telling them not to feel the emotion of fear. He's saying, don't let this emotion that you're feeling overtake your faith. Stand still. In other words, don't lie down and give up. Don't fall into despair. Hold your ground. Hold your hope. Don't retreat to the enemy, and don't you dare jump into that sea. You just stand there and you wait, because God's gonna do something. See the salvation of the Lord, he tells them. In other words, God's got this, okay? So again, what Moses is saying to them is, Guys, listen, by faith, we need to trust the Lord. And so if you're taking notes, here's the second thing that I believe we can learn from their response. And that is that when we find ourselves in an impossible situation, by faith, we can trust the Lord. By faith, we can trust the Lord. Listen, I know some of you are facing impossible situations today. And your situation may be downright scary and if I could just say to you this morning, I think it's okay for you to be experiencing the motion of fear in your impossible situation. It's a very natural human thing to experience the emotion of fear when everything is going crazy, okay? 
And, and I would also say that I don't think that the emotion of fear is evidence of a lack of faith. Okay, sometimes things are just downright scary, right? Terminal illness is scary, y'all. Uh, I, I mean, I could list a whole host of health issues that are downright scary. The idea of losing your spouse is scary. Like, like the uncertainty of living without the person that you love, that's scary. Whatever your Red Sea moment is, I bet it's a little bit scary. The key here is to not let that scariness overtake your faith. The key here is to not let that emotion of fear overtake your faith. Second Timothy 1.7, we learn that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Now that word fear there means cowardice or timidity and it carries the idea of shying away. Listen to me, God gave us the emotion of fear but he didn't give it to us as a spirit. Meaning this, that we may experience the emotion of fear in our impossible situation but it's not the spirit in which we are to operate. Does that make sense? Instead, God has called us to operate in the spirit of power. God has called us to operate in the spirit of a, a, a sound mind, right? And so we may experience the emotion of fear with whatever we're going through, that's okay. But we don't show cowardice, do we? We don't show timidity, do we? We don't back down, do we? We don't retreat, why? Because by faith we trust the Lord. And so I wanna encourage somebody this morning with whatever you're going through. Hey, stand still and stand firm on the foundation of your faith. Hold on to hope. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the perfecter and the finisher of your faith. By faith, trust the Lord. If he brought you to this place, he's gonna deliver you out of it. Amen? So the story is sort of beginning to climax here as Moses boldly speaks to the people of Israel. But here's what I find interesting. So Moses boldly speaks to the people, right? I could just imagine this like, he's like up on a giant rock or something, I don't know. He's just like above the people and they're all out there kind of like this right now. And he's like, don't be afraid, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, right? And then this, this, this is just interesting to me how, how the progression here, it doesn't, it doesn't tell us what Moses does next, but in my mind, what I see is like this bold proclamation to the people, right? And then I envision Moses going and hiding behind the rock and falling on his face and crying out to God. And he's like, God, what are you gonna do? I'm so afraid, the people are scared, I'm scared. God, you brought us to this place, like, where are you, God? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and here's why I say that, because um, the, the Bible says here in verse 15, uh, that the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me, okay? So that makes sense? So he's like bold, right? God's gonna do this, y'all, right? And then he's sort of bashful in front of God, like, God, are you gonna do this? You know, that's my, my, what I see here, uh, because, because the Lord says, hey, why do you cry to me? Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. In other words, enough with the praying, it's time to get going. Enough with the praying, it's time to take some steps towards the destiny that I have for you. I'm not gonna do it all for you, brother. I'm not gonna do it all for, God doesn't do it all for us. There's a partnership that happens between us and God. So enough with the praying, 
it's time to get going. And so here's something I think that we can learn from how God responded to Moses in this situation, and that is that when we face impossible situations, sometimes we've prayed enough and it's time to start taking steps of obedience. In our impossible situations, it's time to start obeying. It's time to start obeying. Okay, now don't get me wrong, I don't want any emails from anybody, okay? You need to know that I believe prayer is important and that it's powerful and that we should pray about everything and I believe God when he says that we should pray without ceasing, okay? But something that we can learn from God's response to Moses in this impossible situation is that there's a time to pray and there's a time to obey. There's a time to pray and there's a time to obey. Some of y'all have been praying about the same thing forever. You've been praying about it for long enough. It's time to get up and it's time to do something. And I understand how impossible situations can sort of paralyze us to where we think, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. And we get depressed and we stay at the house and we lay in the bed and we just sit there and we just pray, God, when are you gonna show up, right? I guess all I can do now is pray. No, that's not all you can do. You can pray, but what God is saying to somebody today is enough with the prayer, it's time to get up, and it's time to get going. You can pray along the way, but it's time to get moving. It's time to take steps of obedience to this purpose and to this calling that I have for your life. It's time to realize the miracle that God has for you. Listen to me, God's not gonna wave a magic wand. In fact, he doesn't even have one. But if he did, he's not gonna wave it and shortcut you to your destiny. Okay, what I want you to see today is that God is moving in your life. He's working in your life. He's got you on the long road and he's been protecting you and he's been preparing you. And maybe he's positioned you in this impossible situation that you're in. But for some of you, you need to hear this. Enough with the praying, it's time to get going. Enough with the praying, it's time to start obeying. What steps of obedience do you need to take today to realize the miracle? What steps of obedience today do you need to take to realize your purpose and your calling and the destiny that God has for you? What I want you to see here and what I think God is teaching us here is that there's a partnership that happens. There's a partnership that happens. So listen, I want you to see this, okay? The people of Israel, they're having this incredible encounter with God in the context of their most impossible moment as a nation. God led them there on purpose, but he was wanting to partner with them through the process, okay? So don't miss this, okay? I want you to see this. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. In Israel's most impossible moment, Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's army behind them, no way over it, no way around it, no way under it, right? The only way is through it, I guess. We don't know, right? They don't know. It's an impossible situation. Can I just tell you this morning, it was impossible for them, but it was possible for God because God saw what was possible. In his sovereignty, in, in his, his glorious being, like, like God was able to see what was possible, all right? God saw what was possible, and it was by faith that Israel just had to look for what was possible with God. See, oftentimes we get up and we're like, well, I guess this is the end. I guess there's no way. God, where's God in all this? I guess all I can just do is pray. No, what you need to learn this morning is that by faith we need to look for what's possible with God. We'll never be able to see it. Like never in a million years did Moses or the Israelites uh, 
would, never in a million years would they be able to comprehend that God would split the sea. But we don't know what tools God has in his toolbox, do we? God sees what's possible. By faith, we just have to look for it, right? We have to look for that opening, and then watch this. This is what happens for Israel. Through God's mighty hand and Israel's obedience, the miracle was realized. God split the sea, but Israel had to go through it, and that took faith. So listen to me. Our greatest, most life-changing encounters with God are often in the context of our most impossible situations. Are you in an impossible situation today? Are you facing something where you see no way? Where you're looking at this thing and you have no hope. You're looking at this thing and you see no way through it, no way around it, no way above it, no way under it. You feel like you're stuck. Can I just tell you this morning, God sees a way. God sees a way, if he can split the sea and make a way for Moses and the whole nation of Israel, he can make a way for you. He sees what's possible. Your part is through faith looking for that opening. By faith, I wanna encourage you this morning, whatever you're going through, look for what's possible with God. You're not gonna be able to figure it out, but I'll tell you this, you can faith it out. You can, by faith, trust that God will come through so I wanna encourage you this morning as you face your impossible situation, be on the ready, be on the lookout for that opening. God sees it, by faith, look for it. And then listen to me, when you see an opening, man, it's time to take a step of obedience. When God splits open that sea, it's time to get going. It's time to walk through whatever God creates for you. He's a way maker. Our job is to trust him and to take steps of obedience when there's an opening. And it's through that partnership that miracles can happen. So listen to me, I know that the long road is hard. I know that you might be facing an impossible situation this morning, but what I want you to know is that the long road is the best road even when the road seems impossible. I know the journey's long, I know it's been hard for some of you, but I want you to know this morning, God's not punishing you. Does God discipline those he loves? Yes, but a divine positioning in an impossible situation is not discipline, it's God's protection. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose for your life. And, and, and yeah, sometimes he leads us into these impossible situations, but I want you to take heart this morning because here's the truth, if he led you there, He's just positioning you for a life-changing encounter with him and he's gonna get you out of it. Now, how many of you know that everything that we just looked at here in the Old Testament prepares the way for the New Testament? Here's what I want you to know this morning, and this is, I'm reading from an excerpt out of gotquestions.org, but how many of you know this morning that the exodus from Egypt although it was a very real, very historical event, foreshadows the saving work of Jesus Christ for his people. How many of you know this morning that, that what God did through Moses was to provide uh, physical salvation from physical slavery, but what God does through Jesus Christ is to provide spiritual salvation from spiritual slavery? What we need to understand this morning is that our slavery is not like the slavery of the Israelites in Egypt. The Israelites were slaves in a geographical location to a very real people. 
but you and I were slaves to sin. Some of you are here this morning and you've never put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're in an impossible situation and you don't know the Lord. Can I just tell you this morning, your only hope is to trust the Lord. Your only hope is Jesus. Let, let me tell you what, what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter eight, verse 34. I think we have it. We'll throw it up here. Jesus said this to the, to the Pharisees. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to, to sin. Some of you are here this morning, you're a slave to sin. You are trapped in a lifestyle of perpetual sin. And the Bible says that sin uh, is death. That the wages of sin is death. In other words, the paycheck that we earn for all the sin that we do in our lives is death. And not physical death, but spiritual death. But praise be to God, because through Jesus Christ, we don't have to face that death. Through Jesus Christ, we can have forgiveness for our sins. Through Jesus Christ, he pays our debt for our sin. Through him, we can be set free from the slavery of our sin. Jesus said in verse 36, if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I wanna backtrack here just really quick in the story. You guys know how the story of uh, the Red Sea ends, I'm sure. Moses raises his staff, right? God, God tells him, raise your arms. He's got his staff there. God splits the sea. Ch children of Israel, Israel go through it as on dry ground. Egyptians pursue them. God says, stretch your hands out again. God, Moses does it. The, the sea closes in over the Egyptians, killing all of them. And then Exodus 14, 31 says this. It says, Israel saw the great power of the Lord used against the Egyptians so the people feared the Lord, and that's a healthy kind of fear, that's a, 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 a they, they, they were in awe of the Lord, right? And then listen, they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They believed in the Lord. Do you believe in the Lord this morning? Do you believe in the Lord this morning? What's your, some of you are here this morning and, and you need to believe in the Lord this morning. Some of you are here this morning, and here's the beautiful thing that can happen in your life, okay? Some of you are here this morning, and you are a slave to sin, and you are separated from God. God wants to do a miracle in your life today. God wants to set you free from your slavery to sin. He, he has split wide open the way to him through the work of Jesus Christ. And if you will just believe in Jesus, if you will repent of your sins and you'll believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you can go through that way he's split wide open and you can be in a relationship with him. And let me tell you something, you're gonna be able to look back and in the same way that the people of Israel saw all those dead Egyptians floating up in the sea and on the seashore, you're gonna be able to look back and see all those sins in your life as dead as the Egyptians. And God's gonna set you free. He'll do that for you today.